0: Hello, everyone. This is Mosey Truitt, and welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. Oh man, I just realized this room is really echoey. I hope it's not. I hope it's not too echoey for your guys' ears. But uh, yeah, I'm actually working on setting up the podcast room. I've been trying to get my podcast room together for quite a long time. I've kind of mentioned it, I think, in previous episodes because um, I want to make a space that is really dedicated to um, recording and a place where my stuff stuff is all set up and, you know, I can just go in and, uh, make it easy to keep this podcast going and to have like kind of a sanctuary space for this particular creative outlet. And I've really, really been wanting to get it done. But for some reason I was feeling just like really uninspired by the room. It's like this small kind of dark room in the barn and it's actually perfect for the podcast because spaces like that aren't echoey, like this space, and uh, it would just be a really, really good podcast room, but I felt uninspired by it, and I actually was listening today to uh, another podcast episode with Liz Gilbert, who is just absolutely amazing, and she mentioned something about, I think it was something her friend had told her about space and about rooms and about I'm pr- I'm probably going to butcher this like reference but the gist of it was if you take the room that you are most uncomfortable or that you dislike the most in your house you can write a list of all the qualities you don't like about it and a lot of times those qualities kind of like reflect possibly different parts of ourselves and you know our lives in the shadow and sort of that sort of thing and then you can spend time You know, making that room really nice and kind of changing the room and making it a space you actually want to live in. And in doing that, you are also changing yourself internally. And the work is being done not by focusing on your internal landscape, but on kind of, you know, focusing on the room and letting what processes need to take place take place. Possibly doing it kind of mindfully, Um, (laughs) as doing things mindfully is usually good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just listened to that just a couple hours ago and it made me think about the podcast space and about how I want to change it and the adjectives I associate with that room. And I'm like feeling really inspired now. Like that is the room I want to try to work on. And that is the room I want to make cozy and inviting and ready to record this new season of in the spirit of horse with hopefully way less echo. So yeah, that is a that is my one of my plans for 2019. And speaking of 2019, welcome to the new year, everyone! I am really so so excited um, for this transition, and my birthday is right around the new year, so it kind of always feels like this really fresh start with like a new year, new age. Um, And I kind of wanted to talk this episode, kind of dive into new year things, because I do think it's important, the whole idea of like resolutions and changing ourselves in the new year and becoming completely different as if there's something to fix, um, that doesn't resonate with me anymore. But reflecting on the past year and the places where we're not trying to fix ourselves, but we're, you know, looking forward into growth. That's really important to me and something I really love to do. So that is kind of what I want to do in this episode. I want to talk about some of the things that happened in 2018 that really changed things for me and my horses that I've talked a little bit about, but I haven't really gone fully into it yet. So that's kind of what I want to do in the first half of this episode is just talk about really what happened when I set my horses free, because that is what happened in 2018 and I needed some time to just process it by myself, I think, but now I'm ready to kind of share the journey and there's so much more to learn and so much that's happening, but I'm kind of excited and ready to share with you guys a little bit about what that experience has been like. And then I want to talk a little bit about where I see things going in 2019, more from a... um. Hmm, not like goals, not goals and like trying to fix ourselves, but more in a where is my intention and what am I kind of looking at? And especially in regards to the horses, because I realized there's this really natural unfolding going on with kind of setting them free and rewilding them, rewilding myself, which I talked about a lot in the last season. Um, And so, yeah, I kind of want to do that. And I, I, I'm really excited. So let's uh, let's just jump right in. episode to just be about you know my year and my goals and aspirations for the new year because that's not really what I'm interested in talking about but I do want to kind of share some of my reflections on 2018 and on 2019 because there's just a lot I feel like I I've been exploring with the horses and that is something I really want to share with you guys so as I kind of go into you know what these years have been for me I think it would be really awesome if you guys kind of thought about what these years have been like for you, both personally and, you know, on your horse journey. So, you know, feel free to pause and kind of uh, reflect, I guess, on your own, your own experience, um, because I think it's, I think it's a nice thing to do. And so anyway, jumping in, I kind of wanted to share with you guys this thing I wrote in my journal in 2018, like right before it turned 2019, that I was just kind of uh, like intuitively writing, where you're just kind of, you're not focused on writing any one thing and you're just seeing what flows out. And uh, this uh, this like little few sentences came out of me and I really felt like it, um, They kind of sum up 2018 for me. So I'm just going to read that to you guys right now. feels so funny to be reading out of my journal on my podcast, but, you know, here we go. Uh, Yes. 2018 was a year of honesty and vulnerability and developing my intuition, learning to honor myself first and trust myself. It was a year of letting go of perfection and developing self-compassion. Because of all these things, it was a very self-loving year full of growth and softening. And the words that kind of stuck out to me here that I think really were big themes for me and also in this podcast, which is kind of one I wanted to bring this up, are uh, words like vulnerability and um, compassion and softening. I think that was kind of the... Yeah, just kind of the theme of this last year of doing the podcast for season one and season two, focusing on worthiness and extending compassion to ourselves. I think that theme kind of came up in a lot of the episodes, and it's something I really want to take forward with me into 2019. And softening, softening into vulnerability, that was also... Um, it's something that I think I talked with Nina Polo a lot about. I think we even have an episode about softening. Um and I just found all of those qualities and and everything I focused on last year, developing that self-compassion to really change things for me with the horses. I think I let go of a lot of pressures um, that I was still holding on to when it came to life in general and also with the horses pressure to be something with them or to train in a certain way and I think that it was letting go of you know that pressure and extending more compassion to myself and kind of letting go of the idea of right and wrong um, that made room for that softening into compassion which ultimately led to I think setting the horses free which is kind of what I have done in the past few months. Um, i recorded an episode, I think, about moving to the new property and what that experience was kind of like in the first week of um, moving. But I just haven't, I I had no idea what this move was going to mean. I knew it was going to be important and I knew it was going to probably change a lot of things, but it has just completely transformed my relationship with the horses and my experience with them. And as time has gone on, I've just let go more and more of control and embraced their wild, honestly, more and more and more to a point where I don't think I ever envisioned even having the courage to let my horses be this free and wild. And, um, and yeah, I kind of want to get into that. And I guess first I'll start with what that means and what their life looks like right now, and then kind of get into what that has taught me. But basically we moved to this new ranch and, um, we had to move earlier than expected which I am now so grateful for because I was a little bit hesitant about moving because the fencing wasn't done. So I was worried that if I brought my horses up here too early, um, that they were going to be in these small pens I had set up, but I wasn't going to be able to let them out in big pastures because the pastures weren't set up and it just wasn't fenced enough. But fires came through, um, our old ranch and, You know, luckily the property was fine, but we had to evacuate earlier than I thought. And I brought the horses up here, and the first couple of days I kept them in the smaller pens, you know, wanting very much to let them out, but there was only perimeter fencing and and no, like, safe, like, pasture boxes (laughs) that I was used to. And my dream for the property had always been to let the horses you know, be out and be free and have the run of the property and to fence off the parts that weren't safe. So fence off the house, fence off the barn, the human parts, fence around those and let the horses have the rest of the property. Um, but even as I was designing it and, you know, I think one of the reasons why the fencing took so long or why it wasn't done by the time we moved was because I, I just was having a hard time finding a layout that made sense, that allowed people to drive in and allowed us to get to the house while still letting horses have the run of the property and without spending a ton of money on, you know, really intricate fencing that was kind of like all over the place. So I had kind of, you know, I had this dream of letting the horses be wild and free and running around the house, but my... kind of desire to still keep them safe. It came from a place of wanting to keep them safe, but also contained in some way was making that feel like a contradiction. And I wasn't sure how I was going to do my dream of letting the horses out while, you know, keeping them safe and staying in the kind of a mental block that I had been used to the kind of like, you know, how I was used to caring for them and having them in these kind of, uh, big pastures, but still these boxes that I, I thought just would make for a more peace of mind and a safer life. But then we were here and the horses were in the small pens and I really wanted to let them out. And I started just with Annie and Sierra. They were alone in in the arena and I felt like I could trust them. Cause usually when I let them out, they don't really go crazy. They just sort of like, you know, wander out and then start grazing. So, um, I was comfortable with that and I let open the gate and was like, well, they can go out and graze and I'll just watch them and make sure they're okay and let them have some freedom. And then because I tried to follow my intuition with the horses first and foremost, and it tends to lead me, um, Tends to be the absolute best guide in horsemanship for me. I got this intuitive feeling that I wanted to let Leah out with them. And Leah was with India and Moon, my other horses. And at the old place, when they were in pastures, I could never merge my whole herd together because they would always fight. And it would get dangerous. And I was really scared that they would hurt each other. So I had tried to get everyone together before, but it just didn't seem like a possible thing. And it felt like they were all very territorial and I was just like scared for their safety, basically. But I had this intuitive feeling that I should let Leah out, who was in a different pasture. And so I've, you know, sometimes, a lot of times, intuition isn't logical, but I've really learned to trust it. So I let her out. And all of a sudden, she was with Annie and Sierra just grazing and walking around, and everyone was getting along really well. So I had another feeling like, well, maybe I should let Napomo out, who is our newest member of the herd, and he's a gelding. And he had really never been uh, with Leah before, and was very like, it was such an iffy situation at the old ranch with Annie and Sierra because sometimes they would chase him around but I just had a really good feeling about letting him out too. So I opened the gate and let him out and everyone was getting along fine. And then Moon was kind of going crazy in the pen because she saw Leo was out and she wanted to go out. So I had another good intuitive feeling to let her out. So I opened the gate and then five of them are together (laughs) and they're just like doing really well and they're grazing and they're exploring and it just was one of the most magical things to see them all together just out free on this property. And also not to mention, uh, one of my friends, actually two of my friends who are musicians were sitting on the porch with like a good electric guitar and a big amp. And they were softly playing this like really beautiful music and melodies. And it was kind of echoing through the whole mountainside. So it made for this really magical moment where the horses were kind of out free for the very first time and they were all together and everyone was getting along. And the horse that I was most nervous about including into the group was India because India's really really big and she has a very powerful kick and she had just been kind of known to beat up on other horses and there had been a time where she had uh, actually beat up and chased Annie Um, when I tried to put them together and Annie like ran and hid behind me and India came to like attack her and I was like between them. So that had always been in my mind as a worry that, that, you know, she might just start attacking or chasing the horses and I wanted them all to be safe. And, and I saw her in the pen and she was all alone and she was starting to pace while everyone else was out exploring and it was super peaceful. And I was really scared to let her out. I was really really nervous because of all of the previous things I had seen and what I was assuming about her. And people had told me before that, you know she just didn't get along with horses when I had first met her and when I first uh, got her. So I had all this fear in my mind, but I had this really strong feeling to just let go and release it. And if I hadn't had the intuitive feeling, I wouldn't have let her out, but the intuition was just so strong that I needed to just let everything be and that I needed to let her out and see how it went. So despite the fear, I ended up opening the gate and letting her join the group. And I was like, that was my most fearful moment. Cause I was just like holding my breath. Like, Oh, is every, is the peace going to stay? Is everyone going to be okay? And there was no issue she just blended into the group and everyone was fine and their interaction, they'd sniff noses and then they would just continue walking and exploring the property. And I was just so amazed and in such total bliss, seeing them free in this entirely new way. And if you know my horsemanship, you know that I definitely let my horses free You know, I let them out of the pasture, we walk at Liberty around the old ranch, and I was used to letting them out without halters, but there was something so different about this, because I wasn't just letting them out to then take them someplace, or letting them out to then go train, or to watch them. I mean, it was to watch them, but not just to let them graze and then put them back, this was like letting them out to fully experience this new space and this possible new lifestyle. And I think I really felt that some this was different and there was something big about this and letting them out all together. And in that sense, sort of letting go of control in a whole new way because at this new space with all six out, they're just wasn't training I could necessarily do in that moment to contain everyone quickly again, which I think I've felt in my training before, you know, I let them out, but I'm still being very mindful and watchful. And like, if I need to, you know, keep them safe or take them somewhere, you know, I'll step in. And this just felt a little bit less possible that I would be able to step in, um, and fix everything or keep them contained if I needed to, like immediately. So there was this whole new level of trust. And it was just the most blissful thing that day, letting them out. I was just walking around with them and then they started galloping around the property. And again, like this was a property that like, wasn't, I didn't feel like was ready for them, but actually was so ready for them. Um, because the perimeter was fenced, they were safe from the street. Um, they were safe and contained within the whole, the whole place, but you know, they could go up to the barn or they could go up to the house and they could go in the arena and they could go to all these different pastures and there was stuff on the ground and there was farm equipment and things that would have just terrified me, (laughs) the thought of letting them out with all of that around. But there was no denying everyone who was at the property that day, watching them gallop around and explore past all the fear. There was just like this blissful freedom. And yeah, after that first day I was hooked and I, and I realized right then that it was such a blessing. I hadn't put up the fencing yet because if I had put up the fencing, I wouldn't have experienced that. And I don't think I would have made the decision to to give them this new lifestyle because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known that it was possible. So slowly over time, I started to trust them more and more. I uh, started not keeping them in the little pens at night. Um, or excuse me, sorry. I I was first started by letting them out during the day and keeping them in the little pens at night. Um, you know, still kind of wanting to watch and make sure they were okay and safe. And then slowly keeping them in the little pen separate at night, they started to really want to be together and actually call and cry to each other when they weren't together at night. So I started putting them in the far pasture at night and letting them out during the day while supervised. And from there, I started letting them out more and more. And then all of a sudden they were all together all the time. And... Slowly over the past few months, I've just released more and more control and micromanaging, and have watched them just blossom into this new lifestyle and this new freedom. And ah, man, I can't even explain. I can't even explain how beautiful it's been. So now, um, as of like this past week, they're just free all of the time <laughs> on the property. Um, I don't even put them in at night. They they live free range on the property and uh, it's just, it's absolutely magic. Now, some of you might be thinking that this might not be the safest or healthiest option for them or that I'm crazy or, you know, that I need to watch out or something. And I want to address some of the fears um, that have come up for me and that I would imagine come up for a lot of horse people. And they are fears that even just a few months ago before I moved would have very much changed my decision-making process. And I think that I would have felt very, very strongly that there are rational things, places where I needed to keep them contained and I needed to keep them safe. And it was my job to, um, you know, watch out for them. And, and I still very much feel that's the case that there are places that we need to, you know, be careful and watch out for them because they are in this human world of ours. But I think what I thought that meant has very much changed. And I think that a lot of the places that I thought I needed to keep them safe were more my limited beliefs. And I actually think about this when I think about the people I talk to that have their horses in stalls and it comes out of a lot of like love for their horses. I think that they think, well, if I put them out in pasture with other horses, they're going to get hurt. And I've met quite a few people who almost see letting horses out as abusive in some way um, because a horse should be like nicely tucked in a stall where they're safe and they have food and they're not dirty and they're not wet and they're not cold. Um, And I think a lot of people, especially a lot of people listening to this podcast will relate to that kind of thinking and probably feel like that, that thought around stalls is kind of misguided because while yes, horses, you know, we might think that they're safer in stalls. um, That's very detrimental to a horse's health to just be living in a stall and not have relationships with other horses and, you know, not be able to move their legs and get out. So I kind of see it in this similar, it's just like another step in that direction. Um, what I'm doing now because I really, you know, I thought they would possibly get hurt and it wouldn't be good for them if they were out free range on the property that there was stuff for them to get into. And, um, yeah, I just, I had a lot of fear around it, but you know, horses and stalls, they still get hurt. They still get sick. And, um, and even more so because I think a lot of their natural, uh, functions and their natural lifestyle, they aren't being met. And I think it actually makes for more injury and more stress and more colic. So I've kind of noticed a similar thing to be true with letting the horses out here. And it reminds me of... My conversation with Kathy from Intrinsen, actually, because what I've noticed is that the more the horses are out and the more I trust them, um, the hardier they've become. One of my big fears about the property was that it is really covered, (laughs) um, with things that would not necessarily can be considered like safe in a pasture. Like there's farm equipment. And there's the barn and there's the house. And honestly, there's kind of junk around because I'm still cleaning up the property. And when I got it, um, it needed a lot of work. And a lot of that work has been, you know, I've cleared out a ton of stuff on the property, but there is still a lot, a lot to be done. And there's still a lot of junk and there's still a lot of things that we wouldn't consider safe, you know, quote unquote, safe to be in a horse's pasture. So when I first got here, I felt very much like, like that was my belief system that, um, you know, there's certain things that are dangerous that you don't have in a horse's pasture and that's just obvious and you clear them out and you know, it's better for everyone. But what I've noticed is that while yes, I want to clean up a lot of this stuff, um, the horses have just gotten savvier and savvier and savvier about maneuvering around the things that are possibly less safe the things that i wouldn't want them to step on or get tangled in um they move around it and they get out of the way and it, and i haven't had any issues yet you know any injury they've had like they've had plenty of injuries in the pasture like i said um, where this stuff wasn't around. And while yes, there is the possibility for them to get hurt or for them to step on something that they don't like, or that, you know, might not be good for them to step on. Um, they haven't had any issue yet. And I've seen them maneuver around it and they're very, very mindful. And yeah, I just, again, I want to clean these things up, but It's almost like the more I've trusted them to navigate their own life and to navigate around things that are maybe not perfect footing, the hardier and more resilient and more agile they've become. And why it was reminding me of my conversation with Kathy was we talked about variability and movement and the horses in Iceland that, you know, are on really, really, uh, like rugged terrain and what we might consider like really bad footing, quote unquote. Um, She mentioned like wanting to go see a horse up in a pasture and not even being able to get to them because the rocks were so uh, like so hard to navigate over that she couldn't even move over the landscape. And then here are these horses just, you know, trotting and galloping over uh, this really hard footing and They're really resilient and they're really strong and really, really healthy. And I've noticed that so much with the wild horses. When I've gone out camping with wild horses and watched them move over the landscape and navigate these mountains, their movement is just so graceful and so floaty and so so effortless looking and they're moving over terrain that is just really, really rugged and things that we would consider so dangerous in our pastures. And it's amazing to watch them. And it's amazing to see how healthy and strong they really are. But I think part of me kind of, you know, felt like that was true, watching the wild horses, but had fear that, you know, my horses aren't Mustangs. So... Maybe they're just naturally weaker, you know, or more fragile or, you know, fear that maybe in theory, that's really good, all well and good. But my personal horses, I'm so scared for them to get hurt that I don't want to try. Um, I don't want to try this because I'm scared that they might get hurt in the process. And that was really, really true for me. I've actually struggled a lot with um, giving my horses freedom, not in any way because I don't want them to have it, but I have definitely been limited by worrying about their safety. And, you know, there's a good amount, you know, of caution that is appropriate. And then there's fear that limits a happy lifestyle. And there's fear that, you know, really keeps us boxed in and contained And I knew that there were places that I was limiting the horses a good amount because of my own fear. So the thought of like letting them out (laughs) on this terrain that just wasn't perfect pasture footing, um, it's why I didn't move them earlier. It was why I was scared and why, despite my plans of wanting them to be free range around the house, I didn't put the fencing up or and, and I couldn't make a decision because I was just too scared to do it without the little push. And understandably so. You know, I I have a lot of compassion for why I was afraid for them to get hurt because I love them so much and you know, that that's just a terrible terrible thought, but but I do think I was limiting their the amount of joy they can experience in their life and what I think they find totally worth it, you know, worth the risk. um, I was limiting them in that regard. And now that they're free and now that they're living just 24 seven out on this imperfect terrain surrounding the barn, surrounding the house, you know, there's risk, like always. Like there has always been having horses, that they can get hurt, um, but they are just so happy. I've never experienced them like this, and my horses have always been pretty free and happy horses. You know, in my mind, they've, the, I've, I've really felt like they have been happy, and that they have been you know, kind of full of personality and um, overall very content. But there is a new level to their quality of life right now. And there is something so different about them that I am just in awe, honestly, of the whole scenario. And I am in awe of them. And what's really interesting is is that I, the past like year or so, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I felt a little uninspired by training. And I actually felt kind of bad about it because, you know, no matter how much I kind of wanted to steer away from training, Annie would be waiting at the gate of the pasture, almost demanding that I train her or that we play. Um, And that we go out and we do our our play that we do and that, you know, she gets to experience something a little more enriching than just being in the pasture. And I felt bad because I didn't really have the inspiration to do that all the time. My heart just wasn't in it in the same way. And, and I was feeling a little uninspired around the horses, I think. And this move has changed everything and ever, oh my God, I can't even explain how inspired I am by the horses now and by this whole process. But what I also love and what has also relieved some pressure is that the horses are so deeply fulfilled now that that kind of demand for play and that demand for training that Annie would actually ask for and, and demand of me in some ways is gone. Um, and she's just more settled in her lifestyle. I think she's just so fulfilled in her daily life that that has become far less of a need of hers. <sighs> and I think about like, you know, the horses when they were in the pastures before and they were in pretty big pastures, but they were still boxes that didn't really change And I think we all kind of wonder sometimes, like, you know, for all of the hours that I'm not there with my horse, like, are they bored? Are they okay? You know, are they just, do they just have smaller brains? So they're just like, okay, being less stimulated. If I was a horse and if I was just sitting in a pasture or just standing around in a pasture, would my life feel full or would it be boring? And I had that thought often and I always hoped that, you know, the horse was somehow still content with that and that they weren't just super bored. Um, But now that these horses have this lifestyle and now that I see what they do during the day when they're not just in a box and I see the changes in them, I do think they were very bored (laughs) to say the least. And the vibrancy in them, I just like never even, I knew, I knew they had vibrancy, but like I didn't know the level they could have vibrancy because it's amazing to watch them. They've also become so much more entertaining to watch. You know, I, I used to get a little bored, like sitting in the pasture, watching them just like walk around and graze. And I feel like they would walk around, graze, go get water, talk to each other, go graze, get water, talk to each other. And I'd get a little bit bored. And now like, ah, it's so fascinating to watch them. They have all these conversations with each other. They interact with their environment and such a funny and like curious and playful way they will all like be grazing and then you'll watch the whole herd decide that they want to go investigate something and like a silent language a wave over the herd they'll all start like heading their way to go like check out um something new that's on the property and they'll like come like a gang over to the house and start like pushing things over and looking at trash and like getting into things in in a actually quite safe way, but also in just like the funniest, cutest, really investigative and explorative way that I hadn't experienced them um, engaging with their life before. And I think everyone who has visited has just been Has been really astounded, I think, by the level of playfulness and freedom and personality that's coming out in the horses now, which was always something I actually described changing to liberty horsemanship um, as bringing out in horses, and I and I think that's very true. Like, you know, if you are in a situation where you can't just let your horses out free on the property, which I think is most people. Um when I started doing liberty horsemanship and you know actually playing with them and letting them be creative and asking them to kind of show me what they were interested in and you know do that instead of demand things from them the same change happened they really like developed their personality and started to um like become more and more vibrant and more and more creative and more and more full of life through the training. And I think that that has been absolutely amazing. And, um, and I think it's a wonderful thing you can do for your horse if you can't just set them out free. And I really stand behind it for that. But, you know, being in this really unique situation that I don't think many people get to be in And being able to explore what is the horse human relationship when the horse truly is fully fulfilled without you. And the horse is fully a horse and really, like, really free in a way that I was never able to provide before. I'm just learning so much. And I think there's, you know, that's something I want to share because. It's a it's a unique situation and I want to learn from it and I want to share with you guys what I am learning from it. Hmm. And yeah, that is the question. That is what I'm still learning. Like what is the horse-human relationship um, when they are fully fulfilled and when they get to be full horses? I've been reflecting again on 2018 and 2019 and there are a few things I really feel like I have... Um, the horses have kind of shared with me you know through this experience and i'd like to kind of share them with you guys so the first thing that um that they've kind of been teaching me that i have been reflecting on a lot has to do with the fear i was talking about and and that desire to control not from a place of you know wanting to be in charge but from a place of being scared and a place of wanting to keep everyone safe. It's really interesting because the more I set the horses free, the more I'm setting myself free. And I've really, really noticed that. And what it's made me realize is that every place where I have kept them limited because of my fear, you know, for their safety really is a lot more to do with me than with them and really has a lot more to do with my limitations than their limitations. And so I've been thinking about fear actually. And, you know, I've been thinking about fear of loss and of love and of, kind of, you know, living our life fully engaged. So at the end of 2018, um, one of my absolute best friends was in the hospital. And for that reason, but also just because of a lot of things that were going on at the end of the year and with the holidays, and, you know, for a lot of reasons, I actually don't know why either. um, I was just enraptured in fear. I had a couple of days that I was just like, I was in so much fear. And it was a type of emotion that I, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And I was sitting in the hospital waiting room and I was like, just so overwhelmed with the amount of fear. And I was saying, you know, I want to feel this. I want to feel this, but what do I do with it? Like, how do I really feel this? And I was in need of some relief So I started doing the intuitive writing um, to just like find some relief to try to figure out why this was coming up so strongly, this fear of loss and this fear of life, really. And that intuitive writing turned into a conversation between me and my heart and kind of this like personified uh, conversation between us. And it kind of became a dialogue of me talking with my heart and, um, you know, asking what she needed. A little bit like the end of The Alchemist. I don't know if you've read it. I I won't spoil it too much. You should definitely read the book The Alchemist. But at one part, he, like, kind of talks with his heart, and it was kind of that personified conversation that was going on. And... I had this realization or my heart kind of shared with me when I was asking about the fear that every time I've guarded myself from feeling, you know, out of protection that, and something that is probably very, has been useful to me, you know, especially when I was a kid, you know, there's certain places where we have to guard our heart in order to actually stay safe. Um, but now that I'm an adult, I get to choose, you know, and I, how I want to live my life. And I realized that every time I had kept myself from feeling something and my mind had come in and tried to numb it or tried to harden my heart in some way, or put a wall up around my heart, I was hardening it and kind of sucking the life out of her. And that kind of trying to keep myself from feeling the love or the loss too strongly wasn't protecting my heart. It was um, slowly killing her or slowly suffocating her and hardening her into this kind of rock that ultimately isn't vibrant and isn't full of life. And, And so I asked, you know, what would be really protective? Like how do I keep you safe or how do I keep you vibrant and full of life? And I got the answer that letting her have the space to feel fully and protecting that open space that allows her to feel everything fully, that that was protecting the heart. That that was the way that for me right now would be healthy and um, life-giving to my heart. Is to like create a space where she can feel everything fully, whether that is love or loss or sadness or guilt or happiness, um, to let her feel everything is to kind of pump the blood of life through her with emotion. And that brought some pretty immediate relief and, and has been a visual I've been really holding on to and really returning to a lot since because it kind of transformed my relationship to fear because here I was fearing that I wouldn't be able to handle, you know, emotion as it came in. And it was blocking me from feeling even the positive emotions, the emotions I want, blocking me from feeling them too fully because if I feel them too fully, I'm opening my heart up to all the range of emotions and I might feel life a little too fully and that might break me. But this kind of flip in perspective made me feel so much stronger in the sense that if I want to be fully alive, I, can, I need to feel fully and trust that it won't break me. And so while there is a risk in loving with your whole heart because you risk getting hurt if you don't, if you don't do that, and if you don't surrender to love in that way, and you don't let your heart feel everything fully, um, you miss out on being alive, and you miss out on the best parts of life. And you know, do we want to be guarded, or do I want to be guarded, and quote unquote protected, slowly suffocating myself? Or do I risk the full range of emotions and live my life fully alive and fully awake? And it became clear to me in that moment and has been coming more and more clear to me this whole year that I want to live fully alive and that that is, you know, worth the risk because that is the That is the beauty of being alive. And that is the beauty of love in many ways. And that has really translated with the horses because my fear around keeping them safe limited their life a lot and kept them from living fully how they want to live as horses. They trust in the process. They trust in being free and It was never their limitations that kept them boxed in. And it was my fear that, you know, kept me from giving them this level of freedom earlier. And again, the more I think that I dive into my own relationship to fear and my own relationship to love and feel braver to experience the whole all that comes with being alive, the easier it is for me to extend that freedom to the horses that I happen to be able to make a lot of decisions for. And I've noticed just like the biggest shift in myself, the more I give the horses that freedom and the more I lift fear off of our experience together. And yes, I still feel scared that they could get hurt, but I'm not letting it, run my decisions or change, you know, how I want them or myself to experience life, um, the, the better and freer things become. And I think about, like, you know, what happened with Elle and that being, like, one of the biggest losses I've ever felt and, you know her being a horse and her being in a safe pasture and it didn't stop the pain from coming and it didn't stop the loss from coming, having her in a safe quote unquote, whatever, like, you know, pasture in that box. Um, it didn't stop that. Um, and, and this lifestyle won't stop that either, but I guess it's more of a question of how fully do I want to live you know, knowing that that will always be a possibility. And I didn't get to the end of her life with her and then wish that I had loved her less or that I had guarded my heart from her in some way. Um, you know, if anything, like, it just inspired me to want to love more and more deeper or more deeper, yeah. <laughs> um, to love her... Deeply and freely, despite the thought that loss can happen. Now we're getting into some like, yeah, love and loss. It's super fun conversation. Um, (laughs) But I think that I, all I mean to say is that I have let go of a lot of fear controlling my life around the horses and the benefits of that have been so great, I can't even express it. And knock wood that they're all safe and happy and healthy, you know, and, and nothing happens. But um, I am just so grateful for them living this free life. And I am so grateful for the freedom it is bringing me. And I know they are too. I know that they are just so happy right now. And realizing that that limit has come more from me than anything having to do with them has been very liberating. And now the second kind of lesson they've been teaching me recently that I want to get into, which I'm really feeling this for 2019, has to do with trust and specifically trust in the wild. And what is inherently wild within us, and within the horse, and within life, and I think this is actually pretty directly related to what we were just talking about with fear, but but it's a little a little different, a little nuanced, and um, and it's been blowing my mind, man. <laughs> um, I talked with Kathy with interns in which it's been on my mind a lot. I really love that episode and love talking to her and it really kind of validated a lot of the things I was feeling. That The more the horses are out, I truly think they are actually becoming more resilient and able to handle this different lifestyle and getting stronger um, the more they learn to trust their bodies. And the more... The more I'm able to trust their body and they're able to trust their body, the, the hardier they're becoming and the more they can rely on their bodies. So I think about like, you know, knowing what food to eat. Um, the more freedom they get and the more they're allowed to kind of lean into their wild nature, the more I can trust that they are going to eat the things that, you know, are good for them. And same goes for footing and like all the obstacles I was talking about. Um, I can see them trust in their footing more and more and their movement just getting better and better and more beautiful and more fluid and more dynamic over hard situations. The more they're able to lean into being kind of wild and wild movement and like we talked about with variability, and not having this super contained um, way of moving and way of living. So as you know, as they have more and more time in this wild kind of lifestyle, the more I see them trust their bodies, and the more I start to trust their bodies too. And I'm noticing that a lot with myself. I did an episode last uh, season with. Uh, Jess from Holy Healed, where we talked about um, not horses, but we talked about rewilding the human when it comes to body image and embodiment and trusting our bodies. And I find that really, really interesting and really coming up more and more now because I think we do have this idea in captivity that everything needs to be managed, that the best way to stay safe or the best way to stay um, good or you know whatever it may be, we have to do it with our minds and we have to manage it. So when it comes to our body, we feel like we have to manage our weight you know, that if we were to let instinct take do- take over, we might be really unhealthy. And, um, and we have to manage our exercise in this really, uh, thought out way versus deeply felt and embodied way. Um, and our emotions, I think we feel like we have to manage what we feel because of the fear that if we feel too much of one thing, or if we let into our emotions, it might break us. Um, and when it comes to like decision-making, we really lean on rationale and logic and sometimes distrust the instinctual knowing that we have. And I've certainly done that and have gotten into a lot of trouble, specifically with the horses, when I've gone with what I logically thought versus what my intuition has known. So I feel like in captivity and with the horses and with ourselves, we're always mist or distrusting our instinct. And we're always distrusting nature in a way. We're conquering nature. We're controlling it. We're managing it rather than surrendering and trusting its inherent wisdom. And the more I let the horses be horses, And the more I'm in this free lifestyle with them, the easier it's becoming to trust myself. And I feel like I'm slowly coming back to trusting my wild nature. And that is so freaking liberating because like, even with our bodies and I, I really feel like the episode with Jess uh, pointed a lot of this out for me, like as females with our bodies or with males as our bodies, you know, whichever, um, There's so much we try to manage when there's such inherent wisdom in our bodies that if we surrendered to it, I feel like everything becomes easier because all of a sudden we're able to relax rather than trying to fix everything. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this episode too, and why I mentioned some things about like the new year and 2019 and the idea of resolutions and trying to fix ourselves. Because I know I've had many years where I have thought about something I wanted to manage and fix in the new year. Whether that was getting healthy, you know, I want to get like a hold on my health and I wanna fix it and I wanna manage it. And that was never something that was actually sustainable. And, you know, you'd quote unquote fall off the wagon because you're trying to manage and control your body. And these really natural processes that are happening, you're trying to logically manipulate and keep a hold of. And if there's one thing that rescuing wild horses has taught me because I also rescued a bunch of wild horses this year and opened a wild horse sanctuary. The, the one number one thing they've been teaching me recently is that it is so much more difficult and so much more, is that how you say it? Much more exhausting? It's just, it is exhausting to try to manage what is inherently wild. And we are inherently wild. And the amount of effort it takes to contain and control the wilderness is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so much energy. It takes so much energy to try to contain and control and manage a wild herd versus letting them be free and letting them be, um, you know, live their life. And it takes so much energy to try to control our bodies and to try to, you know, fix something that isn't inherently broken and it's just not sustainable. I really don't think it's sustainable and it's just hard. It's just so exhausting. And same with our emotions to try to control and contain, you know, these natural processes And to try to contain and control ourselves with so much management and sometimes shame and feeling like we need to be something that we're not right now, that there's something to really fix. That's just so much pressure. (laughs) And it's so difficult. And I think it's also just so unnecessary to fight what is inherently whole. And for me this year, the wild represents in everyone what is inherently whole, what needs no fixing, and what has an instinctual wisdom about it that we honestly just mess with it when we try to contain and control. And um, yeah, yeah put it in a box. So this year, I really think that for me, leaning into that wild and learning to trust the wild within me, the wild without and the wild within that feels like a really important place for me to put my energy and that kind of new level of acceptance and and deeper level of, of loving ourselves, really, um, enough to stop fighting ourselves that, that is, I can feel for me is going to be a big theme and something that I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot in the podcast for this, this year. And it's something that is truly transforming my relationship with the horses. It truly, truly is. And I'm so, so grateful for it. So here we go. 2019. I, you know, I want to invite everyone, if you've made resolutions or if you've, you know, like made intentions for the year, to maybe look at the places where your resolutions maybe have more to do with fixing yourself than with... Coming home and accepting yourself? And is there a way that we can actually flip our resolutions to, you know, embrace who we are more and come back home to who we are more and trust in ourselves more rather than, you know, diving deeper into our captivity and farther away from the inherent trust of ourselves and in our wild? You know, where are we trying to manipulate and fix something out of us that is probably not broken at all? Um, and I would love to know, you know, if, if any of that changes or if you have any insight on, you know, what 2019 means for you, please, please, please message me because um, I'm really, really curious and I'm really excited for this, uh, this transition and, and this kind of time of reflection. So please message me. And yeah, here we go, 2019. I am excited. We are on season three of the podcast. I've decided with this break that I'm sorry I didn't really announce it on on the podcast platform, but I I talked about it on Instagram taking a little bit of a break, but now I'm back. It's time for time for full force podcasting every week, Friday slash Saturday. Uh, I'm really really excited. I have some really cool things that I can't wait to share with you guys this year. Um, a lot of it having to do with the podcast too. And, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to share that. So thank you everyone for being here. Thank you so much for listening. I can't even explain how much it means to me that you guys are here. And if you like the podcast and you feel like writing a review on iTunes, that always is a really, really big help for the podcast. And if you feel like sharing it with your friends, it's just so appreciated. And uh, I love to see what you guys have to say. So um, please tag me. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys next week with a brand new episode. Bye.